Welcome to Jim Galliano's Building a Better Web Presence podcast. Build something better with less moving parts, less overhead, and less headaches. Hey everyone, this is Jim Galliano, and thank you for joining me for today's podcast episode. Today, believe it or not, is episode 250. I know technically it's really 252, but somewhere or another along the line, a few episodes have been lost. But this is the podcast where every week we talk about building a better kind of online business. We look into things like business models that won't break the bank and suck the life out of you with things like endless to-do lists, making little to no progress, and doing things that are impossible to keep up with over the long haul. That's what I mean by building something that's better. Things that do not have all of those elements that so many businesses today have. And today I want to talk about what makes up a huge part of having a better kind of business. And this is something that I learned, I would say, I learned more about this from listening to the old timers talk than I did from just about anywhere else. Some things you just learn from doing a lot better than you learn in maybe a classroom type of setting. And there are certain business types, and most certainly this covers most of you who are freelancers or solopreneurs who can work with people who closely fit the definition of what we might call an ideal client or an ideal client type. Now, most of you are familiar with the labels, ideal client, ideal client type, or ideal customer, or client or customer avatar, and so on. It's another one of those marketing strategy angles that works a lot better on paper than it does in the real world. But thankfully, it does work in the real world. There just may be some speed bumps along the way. Now, the problem is when you're just getting started, it's not always easy to recognize what your ideal client looks like. We may have an idea. I'm sure that when you were 18 years old, you had an idea of what your ideal husband or wife or life partner, whatever you want to call them, would look and act like. But then in the real world, things kind of play out a little bit differently. And sometimes even when you think that you have that part basically down, sketched out, and you have a clear picture of who you think fits your ideal client criteria, at least on the outside, it turns out that they may have issues that don't show up. People have issues that if you just focus strictly on the data that you're not going to see until that working relationship actually begins and gets started. And this is what I learned by listening to the old timers. Thank God for the older business people that I've learned from over the years. Many of the older entrepreneurs I'm in contact with today are what you would call semi-retired. They're kind of officially retired, but they still have their businesses. They never really shut them down. Some of them did shut the business down, but they reopened it under a different name, under a different brand. And a lot of them moved away from the areas where they originally did business in. And uh, it's interesting because if you would ask their former clients, hey, whatever happened to so-and-so, they would tell you, oh, they're retired. They're not taking clients anymore. But what I learned, especially living in a state where I live, where there's a lot of semi-retired people, uh, as well as retired here in the state of Florida, Uh, That's just a cover story. The truth is a lot of them are still doing the work they've always done. The only thing is they only do it for their favorite and best clients. And so when you think about that, what defines a best client or even an ideal client? 
you know, maybe it's easier to start the conversation by thinking about what doesn't make a good client, let alone a best or an ideal client. For example, there's a certain type of client. I've had a few of these to the extreme over the years. Let's call them the controller. Now, I'm going to be talking about a few negative things in just a moment, but this doesn't mean that the person is a bad person or they wish you ill will or they're evil or anything like that. They're just different personality types that, especially to the extreme, aren't going to be a good fit for you. And this is the type of person, let's just call them, let's just use the label, the controller. This is the type of person who basically thinks they're an expert in just about everything. And they just have enough knowledge in a lot of different topics. They're usually very intelligent people, by the way. It's just that their intelligence doesn't extend over to everything they do. And that's something that, well, I don't know whether they realize it or not. But the point of the matter is, is they're going to second guess everything that you do. If you're their subcontractor, you're their employee, you do any kind of work with them, they'll try and micromanage everything. And they're going to require more time and more energy in dealing with than a handful of your other clients combined. So in short, it's really only a matter of time before you're going to see them as more trouble than they're worth. So like I was saying, when I talk to the old timers, I hear stories about just nightmare clients. And in a perfect world, there would be no nightmare clients. We would only choose the ideal client. But in the real world, of course, you have bills that are guess what? They're going to appear again every 30 days. And like clockwork, you're going to have to pay those bills. And that requires sometimes, unfortunately, again, we're talking real world here, not theory. You're going to take on clients that aren't going to always be a good fit for you. But the nice thing about business growth is that as you develop and as you have more than you need, really, I think in the strictest definition of the word, that's what wealth is, having more than you need. Now, we could measure different kinds of wealth, but having just what you need is basically just getting by. So imagine this, last year or the year before, you're making just what you need. And now here we are a few years later, you're still making that same amount, but thanks to inflation and the rising cost of living, that's not enough anymore. And so when you're making just what you need, and I know people will often say things like, I would just be happy making just enough to be able to do this, this, and this. I know what people mean when they say that. And again, on paper, that makes perfect sense. In fact, I used to say that when I was younger myself. But the reality of the world that we live in is that nothing stays the same. Very few things ever get cheaper. You can always, if, if you have to gamble, gamble on prices going up, not down. And times change. And so the idea of business is that if you're not growing, it's only a matter of time before your business begins to die. And that was another lesson that I learned for myself when, you know, sometimes if you do really well, it's tempting to take your foot off the accelerator, so to speak, do less marketing, less networking. You don't put yourself out there as much, especially if you've been in business for a while. And uh, the one thing that kept me from falling into that trap completely was the desire that I had over the years to try out different kinds of businesses and try different things. That kind of took the creative side of my personality and kept it from being active. 
And that's one of the things I enjoy about the entrepreneurial journey is that you can take your creativity and you can plug it into a business environment and you can see what happens. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work, and sometimes it's a little bit of in between. But a lot of times people are just staying with one type of thing that they're doing. And when they grow to a certain place or get to a certain financial level, you know, it's, it's, it makes sense to me that people get lazy. I don't know if lazy is the right way to do it, but people want to relax a little bit. They don't want to work as hard. They want to enjoy life a little bit. And so they take their foot off the accelerator. And what happens is a lot of their older clients or customers, some of them pass on, some of them move away, and then there's not new business to replace the business that's lost. And the downward trajectory begins. And it's just a matter of fact that some businesses never recover from that. But we're in a different business environment today. We are in, if you're listening to this podcast, the chances are that you are in the digital business world. It is somewhat fast-paced, I guess you could say. I say somewhat because if you're in the offline business world, the fast-paced experience is a lot different than it is if you sit down in front of a monitor, more or less, and that's where you spend a lot of your time every day. And it doesn't make any difference whether you're recording or typing or what type of content that you create. It's a totally different experience when you actually have to, like the old timers used to do, dress for success and go out there and actually network with people. And that element isn't as powerful as it used to be, but it's believe me, it's still there. You still have to meet people every, every so often. You have to get out there in the real world. But, um, you know, getting back to this, what I was talking about, the controller type of personality, the client that maybe they have all of the elements that on paper, they look like your ideal client. But when you start working with them, they become very difficult to work with because of that controlling type of personality. Now, one of the other things that I learned is there's such a thing as a temporary controller. Not every controller is a permanent 100% all-out controlling type of personality, there's temporary controllers. Let me explain what I'm talking about. A temporary controller is the type of person, the type of client who's already been burned several times in the past by people who do what you do, what they're hiring you to do. So in the beginning, the elements of control will be there and you'll feel them when they're at their strongest. However, if you can weather that initial storm and let's face it, the control is an offshoot of distrust and there's an element of fear connected to all distrust. But what will happen with a temporary controller is if you prove yourself to them several times over, and believe me, it won't just be one time, it'll be several times over, then they'll get to the point where they're going to feel comfortable following your lead and getting out of your way so that you can do the job that needs to be done. And I've been through this also where I've encountered temporary controllers. And this is the type of person also, believe it or not, that if you can weather the initial storm, this kind of person will be a client for life. They'll be a loyal client. And more often than not, you'll have a pretty good friendship with them down the line also. You just have to get over that exterior in the beginning. Now, there's a lot of other negative personality types out there we could talk about that I could just do a podcast on personality types and you'd be nodding, oh, I had one of those and I know what that person is like and we could have fun putting different labels on them. But you get the picture. I don't want to dwell on that. 
Now, on paper, an ideal client may be someone who fits a, a certain demographic. It may be someone who has a certain kind of business. Maybe they have between five and seven employees, which means they are established, or they have a certain type of annual income. And on top of all that, they're looking to get a certain result. And that happens to be the kind of result that your business is geared to provide. Now, all of that info is fine. But again, the personality of that individual who hires you can make all of the other data null and void as far as you're concerned after you start working with them. So we've all had that. But let's avoid the judgmental aspect of this altogether by considering a quick analogy here. Uh, think about your friends or the characteristics of people that you really enjoy being around. With those people, let's say if you got together with them for a picnic in the afternoon or went out and had a few drinks with them at night or sat around a kitchen table together talking, whatever, there are people out there that have certain characteristics that it doesn't matter how young or how old they are. It doesn't matter what they do for a living. It doesn't matter where in the world they come from. All of these things being equal, other things being equal, you're going to enjoy the time that you spend with them. Now, consider the types of personalities, on the other hand, that you can only handle in smaller doses. So it's not that they're bad people. They're just not a great fit for you. I know today everything is either great or it sucks. A lot of people look at it all or nothing. But in real life, there's we get together, we get together with people that maybe they're not like a, a great fit for us. I know we have this even in family situations where you have, you know, cousins and aunts and uncles and in-laws and all of these people. And sometimes the fit is a lot better than others. But it's not necessarily that they're bad people if they're not maybe such a great fit for you. Dating is a lot like that, isn't it? I mean, there's people out there, they may be really nice people, but if you're honest with yourself, they're really not such a great fit for you. And they'd make very poor business partners, and they would not be a good fit, even socially speaking, for you. But, but, they're not bad people. They're just heading in a different direction and in a different way. So I think different is good. I mean, if everybody was the same, I guess it would be a little bit boring. Imagine if there was only one kind of tree out there or one kind of one or two kinds of flowers. And there's all different types of people out there. So when we are looking at this, and the reason why I'm bringing this up is because when we look at a topic like finding or identifying your ideal client or your ideal customer, when And the fact that, yes, it looks really simple on paper, it's a little more tricky when you do it in the real world, but it is a strategy that if you follow it, it can make a tremendous difference in your business. And so when I originally heard about these different personality types from the old timers, I kind of forgot about that when I got into the, the business mix for myself. I went from a let's make money mentality right on over to a let's survive mentality within a pretty short period of time. Because as I said before, business growth in the real world is often sloppy and there's an element of unpredictability to it. And, and that's why, to be quite honest with you, the entrepreneurial journey, the solopreneurial journey isn't for everyone. Not everyone has the same risk tolerance. Not everyone is willing to put up with some of those higher levels of uncertainty that go with starting a new business. And there's nothing wrong with that. I know a lot of people that get into the entrepreneurial lifestyle later in life, and that's after they have a little bit of a nest egg put aside. 
And they do that because they spend time maybe in a more corporate type of environment and they have more of a financial foundation built beneath them before they decide to strike out on their own. I just happen to come from a family where everybody just started from, I guess, uh, late teens forward doing their own thing more or less. And I have to say I was encouraged not to pursue what I pursued But when my father realized I was going to do what I was going to do anyway, then he gave me words of wisdom. Well, then just go all in on it then. Don't just do it a little bit. But so let me just counterbalance everything that I said about these different personality types and the negative elements of some of these people. And by saying this, you absolutely positively have an ideal client type. Those type of people are out there And they will benefit more often than not from just about everything that you do, from just about everything that you create in your market. They will be fans for life. They'll be customers, clients for life. And the the fact is, the odds are that you have probably two or three types of people that fit that definition of ideal clients, or some people would call them client avatars. So for example, in my own business life, There are people who have been in the done-for-them type of category, and that's the type of solution that they would purchase. And there's others who wanted to pay me to teach them how to do it for themselves. And so both are different types of ideal client types of personalities. Both of them respond to different types of headlines and different types of advertisements. So yes, you can have more than one type of ideal client. But if you're just rebooting your business, it's just much easier to start with one. Even if you identify three or four, I seriously doubt I've never really worked with anyone who had more than four people that fit that description or personality types of being an ideal client or being a realistic client avatar. For the most part, it's three, but there's usually one or two that will make up or I should say that there's at least two that will make up, let's say, 80% of your, your total income. But I said all that, I got that all of that out on the table because this is something that I'm really excited to talk about and to share with you these thoughts today because I know a lot of people out there that are in the process of rebooting their businesses, of just starting over again, and they're not sure how to, as far as the words that they're going to use, in their headlines, in the emails that go out, the topics that they're going to focus on. They're really not sure because they look at the whole of their, maybe we might call their customer or client base, and they don't see it made up of one person or just one person. And that's normal. Now, normally how the whole ideal client type of topic is taught is that you just focus on one. And I'm just telling you from having been through all of this already myself, yes, focus on one to get started, but don't stop at one. Because again, like I said, most businesses have two or three, and I've never met any that had more than four. I'm sure they're out there. I just never worked with them personally. And so you have different campaigns for each different client type, but there is a common thread that runs through all of them. And it leads straight back to the skill set that you have to your individual talent, to your personality and makeup. And, you know, you are a unique person. I know people laugh when we talk about things like snowflakes and people that they want to be seen as special. 
yeah, I believe individuals are special, uh, but I also believe that you have to be tough because just because you have a talent doesn't mean that people are going to see it right away or acknowledge it right away. Just because you can do something successfully doesn't mean that people are going to beat a path to your door. Just because you have good ad copy or that you say all the right things, again, it doesn't mean that people are going to respond like clockwork. And, and that's the reality of being in, in the business world. The, it has the, the highest of heights at times. And unfortunately, yeah, every now and then it can also bring with it the lowest of lows. But I look at it like this, having been in this space for over 20 years, I look at it like this. Well, what career choice doesn't? I don't think there's anyone that they're, if they're in a space long enough, doesn't sit back and look at what they're doing, what they have, and wonder what it would have been like if they had <laughs> chosen what was behind door number two, let's say, or taken a different path. I think that's just human nature. So, Okay, now moving on. If you've been in business for at least a few years, I'm guessing that you can probably identify one or two of your existing clients that... When you really look at them, make you wish that you had more clients, more customers just like them. Isn't that true? So right now, I want you to think about one or two people who would qualify for maybe the title of favorite client. And and maybe it would help even more if you went as far as to open a blank Google Doc or a Word Doc or the equivalent of that and write the heading, My Ideal Client. And it would be even easier to find that person, that existing client on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and copy and paste their profile pic maybe into that blank document under the heading, My Ideal Client. Now, forget about putting together a fictitious person like a lot of people teach this. It's not that it's wrong doing it that way, but it really does lack that three-dimensional element that will be in play when you pick a real person, someone you actually know and are currently doing business with. So if you paste the person's profile pic into your document, then you can go ahead and write beneath it what makes that person such a good fit for your business. And you can identify at least, I'd say, two ideal client types, but no more than three. Keep it between two and three. And as you do this, identify what makes each of these people unique and what makes them similar also. So for example, if you're driving now, you're doing something else, obviously you can't do this, but off the top of your head, you can recall one or two clients that you really enjoy doing business with them. And there's certain criteria they meet. Even if you haven't thought this through, I'm going to assume, of course, that they pay their bills on time, that they're not cheap, that they are very open to your suggestions. And as you begin to kind of go through these elements that each of these people possess, then what makes this person ideal for you becomes increasingly clearer. And, and when I think about this myself, I'm just two or three people immediately come to mind. And yes, they are what I would consider better paying clients. And yes, they are open to suggestion. And yes, they, I think they make me better at what I do. It's not that they don't challenge me, but they challenge me in a good way to maybe think things through a little bit more. And I would say that they bring out the best in me as much as maybe I bring out the best in them. In other words, we're a good 
counterbalanced to one another. It's not like they're just blindly following what I'm telling them to do or what I'm suggest suggesting to them, but we bounce ideas off of one another. And all of these people are very experienced in what they do. They all have achieved a certain level of success. But the boundaries, I think, also between my relationship with them as are the boundaries between the relationships that you have with your better clients are very clear. There's very little gray area. You know what your responsibility is. They know what their responsibility is in this um, business relationship. And everything just works really well. So if you can come up with two ideal client types, and again, if you have a photo that adds that extra dimension to it as you're planning this out, I think you'll find the process overall not only very helpful, but also very enjoyable to go through. So for example, maybe the first client type is a beginner, someone who needs all of the pieces that you have available in place from start to finish. And maybe the second type you identify as someone who's very experienced and they're after a specific type of solution, the first client type isn't. But what they both have in common is that they're both very interested in what you do because your products and your services cover what each individual needs or wants. So let me just give you a quick analogy. The boxing gym, for example. Today there's people who enjoy the sport of boxing, everything short of getting punched. So they use boxing workouts to stay in shape. They jump rope. Maybe they run a little bit to burn calories or they burn calories on the heavy bag or the speed bag. They enjoy the shadow boxing, but they have no interest, of course, in fighting professionally. They just want to get in shape and they work out at gyms that allow them to do that. So in my local area, there are a few gyms like this and they're run by former professional fighters, both boxing and mixed martial arts. And of course, each gym also has younger people training there who are either professionals or considering becoming professionals, and that's going to be what they do for a living. So as the gym owner, that person can easily identify at least two ideal client types. Now, the problem happens today is when we lump both groups together. Let's just forget about the boxing analogy for a moment here, but we try to make everyone happy. The problem happens when we try to create content or marketing or advertising that's designed to speak to everyone. So, for example, if one message is designed to capture the attention of both, let's say, a professional-minded person and a weekend warrior type of person, then you're probably going to struggle getting or keeping the attention of either group. And that brings us back to this niching down versus going broad category. And I've experimented with both because there's pros and cons to both depending on a whole bunch of factors, really. But even if you're not into the data or the factors so much, if one approach isn't working for you, then why not try the other? And I think fewer people do this, fewer than you think anyway, because in business, when something that used to work no longer does, it's much easier to assume that what you're experiencing is just a temporary drop-off in progress. It's just a temporary, maybe anomaly, we might call it, that's going to correct itself in the months ahead. But sometimes, unfortunately, that's just not the case. Sometimes the market turns the corner, and many of the people who were part of, let's say, a general audience will ha have had their fill of that topic, and then they'll move on to other things. 
And this is what brings us back to this ideal client or customer concept. Identifying who that person is right now helps you to eliminate maybe this overwhelming amount of options and tactics and strategies you may be considering to help your business move forward. That's the long way of saying that moving forward is much easier when you have an ideal client type in mind. So if you go ahead and you start moving forward in this direction and you start recalibrating your marketing to focus on an ideal client type, again, one to start off with, but possibly a year or so from now, you will have identified two or three. Oftentimes when you make this switch, it will feel like you're taking a step backwards in order to take two more forward. And to be honest with you, that may very well be the case because it does take time to refocus products. It takes time to refocus your services, your messaging, maybe how you have things laid out on your website. It takes time to tweak and change all of those things. And so as you're going through this process of making this transition from speaking to a general market to speaking to a specific kind of person or a segment of people within that market, there's a few things to keep in mind. Number one is that even if your messaging is on point now, it's going to take a little bit of time for your message to reach the kinds of people that you've designed it for. So you're going to have to exercise a little bit of patience and a little bit of perseverance here, just like you did with any other type of thing that you've done online up until this point. But that said, you should start seeing evidence that you're moving in the right direction, I would say within a few months, unless, unless you're taking the organic SEO route and you want to do it that way, which you can make a good argument for that, but which in that case, most experts will tell you you're looking at four to 12 months before your content really starts producing a return. Now, on the other side of the coin, seriously consider number two, having a combination of products and services as you move into the future with an ideal client focus or strategy. And here's why. I know people who are strictly running service-based businesses. And I know people on the other side who are running digital products only types of businesses. And both people at one time or another thought that the grass was greener on the other side. But after several years of business, what I've noticed is that people run, who run service-only type businesses and people who run products-only type businesses, both of them are burning out with increased frequency. And I think the truth of the matter is, if we push the negatives aside and we look at both products and services as being two different things in two different categories, each one has quite a few positives, I would say, uh, to, to either approach. There are some big positives there to consider. It's the negatives that drag people down. So if you're a solopreneur, why not enjoy the best of both worlds? You can have a limited number of clients that you work with, which is fine. And on the other side, you can combine that with your one-to-many product offers, and that's how you complete your income picture, and that's how you scale. You can combine the best of both worlds, building gradually as you go, or you can take everything I've said and work like an animal to get it done faster. Either way, it does take a bit of persistence and the willingness to adjust along the way. But what worthwhile thing doesn't? All right, let's go ahead and put the bookmarker in it there. That's about all for today. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you think it will help a friend, please go ahead and share the episode link with them or send them directly to jimgalliano.com forward slash 
podcast. As always, your sharing of this podcast makes it possible for me to reach people who would otherwise be very difficult to reach. I really appreciate you spending this time with me today. I hope you have a great rest of your week, and I'll talk to you later. Bye.